This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by the Big Geek Emporium. If you're looking for any sort of tabletop role-playing resource, Big Geek Emporium is where you need to go to check out all of the best independent tabletop role-playing authors and systems that there are available. We know that everybody is looking for a <clears throat> non-Hasbro, non-Wizards of the Coast solution, and the Emporium is the place to shop. Why? Well, quite frankly, they respect their creators, and they give them the biggest cut in the marketplace today. So for your dollar, you are supporting creators and not spending a single penny more with more of your money going directly to the creators, which is important because we love and appreciate all the original works that are there. BigGeekEmporium.com. It's the place to go. And after you're done shopping at the Emporium, be sure to check out the Biggest Geekest podcast on YouTube. Our buddies Randy and Joe are talking about everything in the world of nerd that we don't talk about here on Nerd Cognito, and sometimes a little that we do. So Big Geek Emporium for your shopping, and check out Biggest Geekest on the YouTube. Now, on with the show. Another week, and what a week! What a week! What a week! Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Nerd Cognito, and I am Ryan David, joined as always by my partner in crime, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how it's going. Things have been insane this week. Uh, it seems to be like the the pattern that we're in right now. Although, although I will say, at least as of this recording, watch something's going to happen like on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but as of the recording, things are finally slowing down. Hey, we might actually get to play a board game or a role playing game and fucking review it again on the show. What a concept! Oh, that, I remember those. Well, Vaguely, no. <laughs> uh, um, obviously, the the big news is we won. Did we? Did we? Did we? I don't know. Um, we're going to talk about that on the front end of the show. Wizards completely winding back and saying we are not going to touch the OGL 1.0a, and we're going to make the this one. This one caught me by surprise. I. I kind of saw the if they wanted to save face they were going to say well, 1.0a whatever right right but the one that caught me by surprise is we're going to release the fifth edition srd as creative commons oh wow which if yeah, you remember last shot. week yeah. i said if you want to shut me up <laughs> take the 1.0a and transition it to creative commons and not doing that yet uh right i i legitimately would shut up i i I would say that I am going to play a tiefling sorcelock that works <laughs> at Starbucks on a live stream if they released the, the 1.0a under Creative Commons. Uh, they didn't go that far yet, but... Um, Still, it, it's progress. It's, it's a big move for now. Right, 
right. I mean, it's a big move. You know, it's uh, it's not everything that we hope for. But you know, there's a saying about compromise. If everybody's miserable with it, it's probably the best choice. Yeah. So we'll 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 dig into it and go over some finer points and opinions because God knows we have those. Um, Absolutely, we do. Uh, on the front end, we've got some some news lined up. And uh, on the back end of the news, and we have someone coming on the show tonight, Bert. Oh, yes. Great. Who is it? Uh, Mr. Chalt, Venger Satanis, is joining us on Nerd Cognito this evening. So, Man, that, that is such a diverse setting. Like, Chalt is, like, really, really kind of off the wall when it comes to you know, the variety there. You know that I jive a lot with uh, the gaming philosophy of, of one Venger Satanis. Uh, I read his uh, GMing like a fucking boss when it mm-hmm. came out, uh, shoot, long time ago, right? And uh, Yeah, I mean, that was years ago. He has uh, a, a new property coming out, Advanced game mastering like a fucking boss that he's going to talk about. Plus, you know, I'm not going to let him go without talking about Chalt. So uh, (laughs) uh, we're going to talk to him on on the flip side of all that is newsy. But we we have to address the, the, the big news of the week, which we talked about on the front end. Wizards of the Coast released the following statement. Quote, we are leaving OGL 1.0a in place as is, untouched. We are also making the entire SRD 5.1 available under a Creative Commons license. You choose which you prefer to use. Who made that decision, Bert? I'm telling you right now, it's not the same team. It can't be the same team. Even under protest, it's not the same people that were 180 degrees the other way just a week ago. Right, right. I mean, the last uh, the last time we talked about all of this crazy stuff with the OGL and things like that, the new OGL still was, you know, removing the old OGL, and now they're, you know, total about face on that decision. It's kind of unusual i mean i wonder what triggered that well hasbro as a company um made a pretty shocking question mark i don't think it's shocking i think it's pretty par for the course for the economy you know and i don't attribute this at all to the dungeons and dragons stuff Uh, i attribute it to their balance sheet uh they're laying off 15 percent of their workforce um that that uh, last time, I think it was in the ballpark of a thousand folks, um, and I have to wonder if this was an economic and Hasbro Hasbro PR decision and not a Wizards of the Coast decision. Uh, Certainly possible. I mean, it seems like you know with. With this uh, announcement, and it's terrible whenever anybody loses their job, but, you know, with this kind of announcement, it seems like maybe that sort of initial OGL 1.1 or 1.2 or or whatever it is, was sort of a a last, you know, attempt for a 
a, a cash grab to fill their coffers by Hasbro. And now they've, you know, made the decision to, you know, cut back on staff and things like that, rather than, you know, trying to, you know, build up their cash flow using the OGL. Or maybe just maybe the combination of 40,000 D and D subscriptions gone made people that don't normally look at the sector that is wizards examine the sector and when they looked they saw the shitstorm that we have been kicking up for the last three weeks and said wait a minute who did what maybe just maybe here's my reservation 1.0a in place as is untouched in their words Mm-hmm. would have been great as a response to the quote-unquote leak. Right, absolutely. Now, after having doubled and tripled down on revocation and not specifically sta- stating or updating that license to say that it is irrevocable or, as I said, do the impossible shut Ryan David's mouth and make it Creative Commons, which would likewise make it unrevocable, irrevocable, uh, un-ear. I, I don't know. I'm not an English teacher. I don't like English right. teachers. Yeah, yeah, no. English uh, teachers I wasn't I an English major. <laughs> they, 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 I don't get along with English teachers. I'm a pretty good writer, uh, but uh, not, a, not an English teacher. Re- regardless, it still leaves the door open for them to say, up. Oh, Guess what? Yoink. And that yoinkage is not going to hurt the 5-1 crowd. It's going to hurt the folks that are publishing under 1.0a. And I'm talking about, obviously, OSR folks. Oh, yeah. Small studios. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Privateer Press and their Iron Kingdom setting. Um, lots of other small to mid-tier studios that can't muscle up, do they take the chance to continue to produce under this license knowing that for now they are leaving this in place as is untouched, but the wind could blow and in six months we could be right back where we were before. Roundtable time, right? Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the problem with everything here is, you know, now it's, um, I don't know how to, how I want to phrase this, but okay. So it's kind of like, you know, you make the decision to get out of a bad relationship and now all of a sudden the other person is saying, oh, no, I can change. Don't leave me. You know, I'm please sorry. stay with me. I'm sorry. Uh, it almost, you know, is it, you know, is it sincere? Is it, you know, um, I think it's it something- sincere right now by the person or people that mm-hmm. came in and directed this decision. But, right, I but how know long will that change last? Right. I, I know it's not sincere by the crew that was steering the ship before. Uh, I, I think it's going to take a lot more to rebuild any trust, if it's possible at all. The mm-hmm. other thing to remember is D&D Beyond making this shift to predominantly digital. Now this just opens the door wide up to be exclusively digital 
and and not turn back. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough. It is. And I mean, on one hand, is it good? Yes. Is is it good enough? That's the question. It's not good enough for me. I told them what would shut my mouth, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it because you know they're they're listening to Nerd Cognito. <laughs> <laughs> sure, absolutely. Although I we mean, did get know. a press release from them this week, so someone is listening to Nerd Cognito. I thought <laughs> I was blown away, by the way, when when I opened that email. Um, yeah, I was kind of shocked too. I mean, we don't normally get a lot of press releases from major companies, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's still not going to make me go see the movie. It does not endear me to their products or their business model. Or their politics, which I won't talk about here. Um, It's, I've always said, you know, cautiously optimistic, critically skeptical. And I'm still right in that camp. Okay, great. You said this. I'm cautiously optimistic. That means that I will turn on my spending for non-Wizards 1.0A products again. I will go and shower those folks with my discretionary income right now, now more than ever. And, and I'm going to target the folks that are not the Paisos, that are not the Chaosiums, that are not the folks that can weather this storm. I'm going to target my independent creators whom I love. And I've got to sleep with one eye open because I don't believe them. Right. I mean, I've all, you know, I will always have, you know, a nostalgic place in my heart for the property, but the rose colored glasses are off and you really have to show me, you know, some, some change for me to open my wallet for those guys again. You know? No, I, I agree. And I don't want to perseverate on it. We've been talking about it in detail for the last sure. who knows how many weeks, mm-hmm. but that that's just where we're at. There's, you know, right now we're, we're in a holding pattern. We're in a trustless relationship of a holding pattern. Right. Um, So what we're saying is show us something, wizards. Show us something and demonstrate over time, which is really going to be the linchpin. So we'll see. But right now, no news is good news. Uh, You said it. (laughs) I've, I I had, well, I I wasn't going to talk about wizards forever. Right. Um, Right. I know the, they said what they said. I don't believe you. And that's where we're at. They they have to now walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Uh, exactly. Besides, we've got a big show. We've got lots of news lined up. We've got Venger on the flip side of the news. Uh, we got, we'll start out the news with something a little fun that you threw in our direction this week, which is, uh, you know, we're a bunch of fat guys. <laughs> right. I mean, sure. You know, we, we, what do we talk? What do we like? We like games. We like movies. We like food. We like food. And, uh, there were some items that have sung their swan song in 2022. Uh, we talked about it on the show because we're such fat guys that, uh, me in particular, I was, you know, singing Oh Danny Boy to the McRib earlier, or I guess I can't say earlier this year because we're in the new year, right? Uh, right. Late last year. Uh, some other deaths in the food world. Might as well start out with another fast food delight. Burger King's possibly 
tastiest non-burger sandwich, but worst named sandwich ever has been discontinued, and that is the Chiking. Um, right. I mean, that, it was a it was a tasty sandwich, but it was a terrible name. Way back in the dark ages, when the Chiking first debuted, uh, Mikey and I on on early early. Uh, possibly even pre-archives Nerd Cognito. Uh, some of the episodes that were lost in the ether were making fun of the Chiking King name. Um, good Chicken Sandwich. Uh, terrible name. Well, the Chiking is no more. That was the, the, the big sort of uh, fast food partner to the, the, the... Oh, my dear McRib. Uh, how I... How I Long to see you come back. The McRib though is a zombie because it's it's died and come back so many times that that I I don't believe that the McRib will be gone forever. I do right. believe and that the Chiking is gone forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess until you see the McRib get shot in the head, you it, it may come back. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, honest tea, honest tea. The the beverages. Um, I can't say that I have ever had an honest tea and the brand's been around since 1988 right i mean it's been around forever and i i i was never a big drinker of bottled iced tea i tend to brew my own but i i don't think i've ever had a bottle of honesty well there you go that's so, why it's gone i guess it, it's gone <laughs> because now, you know the, we just said two fat guys and uh don't know about the honest tea um Sticking to the beverages, Fizz and Company seltzers. Now, I did drink Fizz and Company. Uh, it was a Kroger exclusive brand, um, and you know that Kroger is not in my immediate market, right? But back in the day, when I had to cross a state line to find a casino, yeah, there, there was a Kroger right over the state line and i would always get a case of fizz and company because it was a good seltzer it was a good seltzer. right i i used to do that when i would go yeah we used to go to the track and we would go across state lines for that and yes we did the same thing uh, shifting gears to breakfast kellogg's corn pops that one's kind of shocking that's been a uh you know staple for that's been well i wouldn't say staple but it's been a part of the kellogg's brand for decades forever the, previously sugar the, pops right right i remember the ads when i was in like middle school and high school were all over tv trying to attract you know kids to eat it <laughs> um the one thing about corn pops sugar pops whatever iteration they were named um they never they were always disappointing right you wanted them to be something. The first spoonful, you were like, oh, yeah. And then the rest of the bowl, they got like a slimy texture in the milk. You, right. Once you... they started to get, <laughs> most cereals get soggy. Corn pops would get kind of slimy after you let them sit for a minute. So, bo so, so bizarre. You want to eat them as fast as you can because that's when they're best, I guess. Uh, Snackwell's The Cookies is next up on the chopping block. I remember when those came out, they were announced as sort of the healthy alternative to, uh, you know, that cake that you wanted. Uh, yeah, but, uh, it's they, a healthy they packaged they, chocolate cookie. <laughs> right, right. They, they weren't exactly healthy. They weren't much better for you than the regular ones. No. But they marketed them well. They, I, I don't recall them tasting very good, though. No, no. 
And the, the the last one on our on our list of departed foods that once again we talked about on Nerd Cognito in the past. Uh, we talked about the resurgence of it. Uh, it was a short-lived resurgence. The uh, Choco Taco no. is is also now gone. You might remember it came back because Klondike had a partnership with Taco Bell where you could drive through and get a Choco Taco. Right. I mean, I loved the Choco Taco as a, you know, as a kid. And, you know, I would even get one, you know, for nostalgia every now and then. But it's, uh, you know, it's a shame that that's gone. Klondike itself said that uh, it was a tough decision. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the Choco Taco was actually dropped due to an unprecedented spike in demand. So I am thinking that this is a victim of inflation because they couldn't produce it at a cost-effective price point anymore and meet the demand. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that's, they kind of, you know, that's kind of strange. You know, when demand for your product goes up so fast that you can't keep up and you decide to cancel the product right, instead the, of disappointing it. The everybody. financially responsible thing to do is to cancel the product. That's, that's an odd circumstance. Uh, right. It's not a usual one. It, it was the Choco Taco that, mm. that ate, that ended up biting the dust. Uh Sad, sad, sad. Uh, moving on to the news. Eh, something we haven't uh, seen for a while, at least uh, a while in recent memory, is an interesting conceptual board game. I'm going to toss hmm. a video okay. of this game to you. And I want you to watch this video, and don't worry, I'll wait, and through the magic of of our editing prowess, no one will know that you sat and watched this video. Fair enough. So you just watched a teaser video for the upcoming board game Hickory Dickory, where players control a team of mice competing in a scavenger hunt that ride around on a literal cuckoo clock. <laughs> the hands of the clock and the meeples are designed to to nest in the hands, and once the clock strikes midnight, the hunt is over, and the mice will uh, reveal their goodies from the scavenger hunt. Uh, it sounds incredibly stupid, but... If you watch the play video, it's intriguing. It's got elements of take that. Uh, it's got elements of set collection. Uh. Right, right. I mean, it's obviously a Euro, and it's really a weird concept to have a uh, board game built around a children's nursery rhyme. Not to mention <laughs> that the board is actually the clock face with moving parts. It's got moving right. clock hands. Uh, that are part of the mechanics of the game. Uh, details are limited. I don't want to say sparse, but limited as to how the game actually plays. Uh, Plaid Hat did uh, release a sponsored video uh, where you can check out just some concept stuff. Uh, it's about 10 minutes. If you want to really search the tube of the U and, and check it out, you can find it. Uh, the game is Hickory Dickory 
but it's the first board game that actually hit my radar this year. Uh, just because it's different. Different. I had one hit my radar, but it was because it was depressing. So this is much better than that. What, what hit your depressing radar? I'm curious now. Frostpunk. Ah, the well, the 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 video game was was an exercise in futility. So, um, not the that board game doesn't seem like uh, it's going to be you know uh, an easy victory either. No, so I, I, that means I'll probably love it. <laughs> But two, two, both. I think they're coming in the fourth quarter of 2022, if I recall correctly. With Frostpunk, it's it's still got a ways to go as well. So Hickory Dickory is also fourth quarter 2022. Cute mice, wonderful production quality, at least in the visuals. Right. Yeah, the um, components look great from the videos and things like that. If that quality stands up, then that you know. Something to be said about, you know, when you get when you open that board and it's good quality and the uh, it just makes things feel a little better, like you're a little more excited to play it when it's not just, you know, cheap cardboard and flimsy cards. And I'm the first to admit that, hey, it's got a gimmick and gimmicks aren't always bad. I mean, look at no. Return to Dark Tower. That's that that game is all gimmick. Right. But it's fun to play. But it's fun to play, and it's got solid mechanics behind it, and I'm hoping that that is the case here, too. It's all gimmick, but it's fun to play, and it's got solid mechanics. So we'll, we'll see. We've got a ways to go, but um, I can I can pretty confidently say that Hickory Dickory is going to be on the Nerd Cognito table probably around this time next year. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'll be happy to play it. <laughs> Maybe we'll review it. Oh, boy. Been watching any TV lately, Bert? Uh, not a lot. Uh, watched a little bit. Uh, my wife and I watched uh, Wednesday. I checked out that '90s show for nostalgia. I like, just started the... that '90s show too. Okay. Uh, watched the first episode only. Uh, that's that's all. That's all I got in. Started to watch the Night Court reboot as well. You you know, Night Court right. is my absolute pinnacle uh, sitcom it's it's what i consider to be my favorite sitcom ever so, right i i was a big fan of it too there are three episodes out so far i have checked that out uh what do you think of the night court just just because i'm curious uh, i know it's not on our our list tonight but uh i think that um yeah me too <laughs> yeah i mean i'm waiting to see like it's missing some of that like zaniness factor that you had you know with the original that what made it so fun like it's like John Larroquette is definitely the show, right? And that's right. unfortunate because the show mm -hmm. needs to be the new blood. Uh, everybody else is, oh, man. I I hate to say it, but it's like it's like bad improv. Right. I'm waiting to see if it hits its stride. I mean, some shows the first couple of episodes aren't great, and then it gets better. But right now, it seems a lot more subdued than the Night Court that we you know we loved way back when it might and and again it is new it is brand new in a world where the classic sitcom just doesn't play anymore um so we'll see and to be fair each episode has gotten better only a little bit but they, they've but gotten better, better. Yeah. it's well received though the number one show on nbc so go figure yeah I'm the reboots are everywhere this this year. I just saw a preview the other day that they're rebooting Magnum PI. Yeah, yeah, and I I read that uh, Tom Selleck 
had some choice words <laughs> regarding <laughs> the reboot of Magnum PI. Um, uh, also, rebooting is is our next news story. It's not so much a show, but a career. Uh, you might remember. Uh, I sure do. I had plenty of impure thoughts about Sarah Michelle Geller back in the day. <laughs> well, Buffy back, but she ain't back as Buffy. She's uh, back in Wolfpack. Did you see this? I did not see anything about Wolfpack. What's Wolfpack? Well, it's a teenage werewolf drama, right? Okay, so like think Teen Wolf, like that kind of thing? Uh, the I, reboot of Teen Wolf, not the comedy movies uh, that were fun. I, I, I guess. Um, let me just let me just put it this way. I've read a lot of headlines about this because I did think Sarah Michelle Geller was dreamy back in the day. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. You know, she she put the wind in my sail. Um, so when I saw the articles, I read them, and um, I think the best headline is as follows sarah michelle geller's tv comeback is mind-bendingly bad <laughs> Ooh, yeah that's uh, that's not great yeah uh, that's pretty much the consensus um now i want to watch it just because <laughs> um my mind-bendingly bad makes me curious too like you know what's going to destroy my brain about the show uh cheesy trope packed mess uh sarah michelle she got older she got older she's still good looking she's still got look good looking but um i won't be going to my bunk so we'll see <laughs> that's sad because i i really i really liked sarah michelle Geller. <laughs> um i know i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it just to see how mind-bendingly bad it really is. And I will check back in with you and and let you know if it's so Please bad do. you have to watch. Because if it, it, it could be, with the reviews that I've read, it could be so bad that you have to watch. So, so it could be like They Live Territory. Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's, that's quality film. That's quality <laughs> film. Another quality film. From a less than quality human being that didn't decide to uh, show his true face until recently, I'm talking about James Cameron, uh, was Terminator 2. And you might remember the T-1000 in Terminator 2. Everyone thought that was so cool, right? Right, right. The liquid metal Terminator, like the... Uh... Yeah, remember when he was in, in the, in the what was it, the mental... A hospital or, or or jail or something, and he was behind the bars, and mm-hmm. he just walked through the bar and morphed around it. Right. I mean, it was a great feat of special effects. I don't know that the. I mean, the film wasn't incredible, but the special effects were impressive, especially at the time. I agree that the original Terminator was far superior. There are folks that'll say T two was was the pinnacle Terminator. Uh, I'm no, not. I'm no. not one of them. But um, I, it was. It was a good movie uh, yes for, it was good for what it was um and plus liquid metal terminator hey you know that, that's awesome fantasy wait wait no 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 scientists have now published a paper on a new shape-shifting liquid that they're not quite calling metal but it's metal <laughs> and wait. oh yeah, yes so so there there are real shape-shifting robots now 
Well, there's now a proof of concept video on YouTube that shows a shape-shifting metal, uh, obviously intending to to seek through gravity and and through manipulation of state, but it uh, changes its state from solid metal to a liquid metal to effectively walk or more accurately ooze through a little cell. Uh, yeah, magnetic robot melts from solid to liquid to navigate confines is the video. <laughs> it's There's a scientific journal article out about it. Don't want to get into the big thing, but it is soft, malleable robot slime that can now be controlled with magnets. That, um, that strikes me as a little concerning. <laughs> uh, your mother is dead, and that's the news. So there you have it, Bert. <laughs> We're all <laughs> fucking doomed. Right, right. I guess life imitates art? I guess. I just... Uh, we need, like, a safe word now so that you know that it's me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I have pretty, not been replaced by a Terminator. I think you're pretty low on the list of replicants, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know. I get my fair share of hate mail. So who knows? Something that I did talking about nerdy shit may be catastrophic to the robot overlords in in a hundred years. Right, right. They were built by wizards or something. Hey, speaking of wizards, we have a superb guest with us this evening. The man, the myth, the legend, Venger Satanis. Welcome to Nerd Cognito. Hey, I'm I'm giving you this kind of the horns. Even All right. That. <laughs> <laughs> Will that protect me from my robot overlords? I, I don't know. No, 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 it won't. But it makes me feel better. So. <laughs> Hey, we're we're pretty geeked to have you here. Uh, this is a big get for us. We've been trying to court you on the show for a while, but uh, uh, it's big not, fans. It's not, because, it's not because I'm so sought after. It's because my <laughs> schedule is like crazy <laughs> with my 1,000 children. Well, that's okay. Yeah, be fruitful and multiply and all that. Uh, yeah. We all Good had a, <laughs> we had a crazy week ourselves at the top of the show. We were talking about just the insanity that was the week. I we hear you, man. We hear you. Yeah. You have a new Kickstarter up, which sort of caught me by surprise when I when I got the announcement for it uh, a couple weeks ago. Advanced game mastering like a fucking boss. The follow up to game mastering like a fucking boss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which I do own a copy of the original, so um, you're welcome. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. But um, no, it, it really did. I, I I didn't see it on the radar, and I don't know if you dropped any hints or or if you just. I, I was I was playing a little coy. Uh, for the, like two or three weeks prior, I was like, I'm gonna, gonna kickstart something. It's kind of, I'm gonna keep it on the down low, but, uh, there's, there's something in the works. It's, it's coming soon, but I'm just not gonna reveal it just yet. Right. So it was kind of under wraps for a while. And then the day of the, that I launched the campaign, I'm like, Hey, everybody, this is what it is. It's, it's another game mastering book, but it's different than the last one. All right, for those that don't know, give us like 
the the elevator pitch for not only this book but the the original and the whole concept so that you know we can get some sure. people to go to kickstarter and, yeah. and throw some dollars your way yeah you you don't want any part of this book it sucks no, I'm <laughs> stay away god damn it stay away uh okay so the first one i think i wrote it about nine years ago and it was basically just a distillation of the prior 30 35 years of game mastering experience and just role-playing experience i had that i wanted to share with people um and so it was like i don't know like 111 pages and uh just you know everything i could think of everything that was valuable or stylistically mine that uh that i wanted to share you know i was i was writing it like i was writing to myself or a close friend or like let's say one of my children wants right. to become a game master someday uh you know and i wasn't around for whatever reason tucked into a portal or or what have you i thought you know this is what i hope someone would hand them and be like you know, once you've kind of learned the ropes and you've been game mastering for, I don't know, a few months, like this is kind of what you need to get to that next level. Right, right. When I first read the original, I, I thought it was very, you know, conversa it, it, it threw me back to like the high school lunch table where we would all just share, oh, this sounds so corporate, but share best practices for yeah. uh for for what we do and for what we love and i think that's why i liked it it was like having a conversation uh, about how to gm because i i'm in the same boat as you uh, often you know i'm kind of the forever gm as the group bert yeah. can attest to that uh <coughs> we, control freak uh, the, 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 of course <laughs> we all are uh, but no, the territory yeah it, it was it was really like just paging through a great conversation with a friend about the hobby that we love. Yeah. And, and I mean, they're not all going to be home runs, but sometimes I feel like I reveal things or just talking about it. There's, there's some, some quality that you get behind the scenes that helps, I don't know, either contextualize stuff or gives you insight into you know, some of the background things that people won't talk or, you know, wouldn't talk about necessarily. Um, so, yeah, it's both insight and, uh, you know, kind of brings you into the world of a game master and kind of what they're thinking and, you know, maybe what they're thinking when they're not thinking about game mastering. So it's, it's you know, kind of tangential, you know, sideways lore and and things like that uh and this new one is is even more like out of left field because it it not only includes uh the last nine years of game mastering insights that i've gleaned uh, since i wrote the last book but uh it kind of delves into i don't know like deeper into the foundation of role-playing, like why we do it. And I, I feel like knowing more about why we do it and what this is about, this this medium in general, 
we can get more out of the game just knowing its origins, I guess. So it's kind of an origin story. It's also kind of leans into the philosophical, spiritual, and even like occult magical realms of game mastering. And, um, you know, it's got that too. So it's kind of the game mastering book that came out of the former game mastering. Cause I don't want to repeat myself. I don't, right. you know, I didn't write the book because, well, the last one was a bestseller and now I got to like turn out another hit or something. I felt like I had enough to say now to fill, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, maybe even the 60 page book. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to share what I had inside me with the role-playing game community. So yeah, that's why I wrote, uh, or I'm still writing, you know, I've, I'm like, depends on how long the book is. I'm, I'm like 30, 35 pages into it. Uh, I'm just going to keep writing until the so Kickstarter finishes. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, well, I, I want to keep going until I kind of hit my own personal deadline of like, well, I've got to wrap this up. Um, right. cause otherwise where do you stop? I don't, you know, I could just keep going, I guess, but I, I need, and that's why I love Kickstarter, why it works good for me. I never go into a project like fully written, like I don't kickstart a book and it's like, it's done. It's just sitting there waiting for the money to arrive. Like I use Kickstarter to motivate me and inspire me to finish the project and then get it out to people. Oh, sure. And I think it's more authentic because there are, and I'm not shitting on either model, there are folks that'll go into it with a ready-to-go project and even ready-to-go stretch goals. Um, I not We don't see that as much in the tabletop world, but uh, take a jump step to the left into the board game world, and there are releases that have... Uh, fully fleshed out Kickstarters, including all of their stretch goals, absolutely ready to go to presses. And uh, I think it's, it, it is a more authentic process because you're going into it in the spirit of, I am creating this, you are supporting that creation, and yeah. I want to share with you the, the breadth of this project. And, you know... Ten years later, uh, we get a follow-up to to one of the, I think, greatest insightful sort of, oh, I don't know. I don't want to call it stream of consciousness because that's a loaded term, but it's it's sort of the, the gut feeling uh, that I get from it. And, you know, you're going to just chunk it out as you go. Uh, Bert, what do you think of this process? Yeah. I mean, looking over, you know, thinking about it, you know, a lot of people, you know, you have the kernel of an idea, but Kickstarter really gives you a way to kind of, you know, uh, test the waters, so to speak. You know, you you put it out there and see if people are actually interested in something that you want to do. So it saves you like some wasted effort. Like there's people who are going in with plans and stretch goals and everything. That's, I mean, that's great. For me, Kickstarter has always been about kind of throwing something against the wall and see if people are going to, you know, be interested in it before you put, you know, hours and days and months worth of work into it i mean yeah it's, it's different for every creator i assume but yeah that's that's how i like to use it um and i know my personality and it works with that i mean there's some people that they should probably never touch 
Kickstarter with a 10 foot pole <laughs> unless they have a finished project because they know deep down or maybe they don't know uh, that they're never going to finish it. But for me, my hand, my hand is raised right now. <laughs> uh, for me, the, the personal, it would bother me so much. Um, being one of those guys, uh, like, like Eric Tenkar talks about that. It's been like 11 years, uh, since they, <laughs> since they successfully kickstarted a project that they still haven't finished. Like every single day, maybe every hour of the day, it would bother me so much that people gave me their money with the knowledge that I would fulfill my obligation. And then I just didn't, you know, for whatever reason. Well, not that, only that, that but your like, name's attached to it, right? He, he, that he, too, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I feel like if you've given me your money and you've pledged your support, I absolutely owe you something. I mean, um, you know, it could like go this way a little bit or that way. You know, it might not be exactly 100% what you wanted, but I'm going to deliver something that I hope you'll love. And that's... You know, that's just my personality and that's who I am. Um, and that's why that sort of thing where I, well, I, I'll go into a project that's like 25% written, just kind of, just so I know that I can deliver it. Um, so it's like a proof of concept. Right. And then I use Kickstarter to sort of like, you know, motivate me to like, keep going. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people can't do that. And in which case, you know, they should do it their own way. No, and I think it's it's very admirable and very transparent for you to to say, hey, here here's my process. Uh, speaking of the Kickstarter, everybody needs to go there right now. Uh, just search advanced game mastering like a fucking boss on Kickstarter. <laughs> We're also going to have a link directly to the Kickstarter in the show notes. Uh, very modest pricing. Ten bucks gets you the the wisdom of the man, the myth, the legend. So uh, definitely throw him a pledge and let's get him over the five k mark so that we can hold him to the sixty pages. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's in me. I just have to like sit down and take the time to like write it out. So uh, and I feel like I have I have sixty pages worth of stuff in me. So I definitely want to, uh, to, yeah, get it up to, you know, five, 6,000. Um, at the, you know, you see these Kickstarters for like a hundred thousand dollars, you right. know, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, like not even, <laughs> I'm not even a little bit close to that, but I feel like if I can, if I can get something in the neighborhood of 300 backers, that would be fantastic for me. I would I would feel validated. That would be enough. Uh, and and it's not as though you don't have lack of stuff to do. You know, <laughs> you're you're yeah you're yeah always cre uh, churning out content for Chalt, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit later, or we can talk about it now. You know, um, I, I when I say that and someone knows what I'm talking about you sort of have that, that eye contact moment where it's like, okay, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, <laughs> but you're, you're definitely in there. And you know, that entire universe just keeps growing and growing exponentially. So I, when I, like I said, the Kickstarter caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it. You didn't give any tells. And I was like, how does he have time to do this too? <laughs> yeah. Um, What's going on in the world of child right now? Oh, geez. Um, 
So yeah, for people who don't know, uh, the really quick two-floor elevator pitch is Chult is my eldritch, gonzo, science fantasy, post-apocalyptic campaign setting, and it's OSR, so it's fully compatible with whatever version of D&D or, or retro clone you're using. I love it because I don't want to be stuffed into a niche where it's like, you know, if one day I want to add more cosmic horror to it, or I want more gritty Conan, like sword and sorcery sandals and I don't know, serpents or something like that. <laughs> you got, I can go in that direction. Or if I want to, kind of bridge it with alpha blue and the federation and offworlders trying to like steal chult resources and stuff like that. You know, I can definitely lean into that direction. So yeah, it's kind of kind of my campaign setting for life. Uh, yeah. at least it looks like, like that for now. I mean, I've been doing it for like five years and no signs of stopping. So no, we're big fans. Yeah. It, it it sort of hits all of the buttons. Uh, yeah, Bert cool. will tell you. Cosmic horror. Uh, we're we're definitely Absolutely. in that camp. Yeah, uh, we we like fantasy. We like grit. We like a little bit of crazy. So uh, when we're looking for something that I guess touches on all of those elements, but doesn't. It just brings it into this one crazy world for a good time with the guys around the table. Uh, it, it's kind of a go-to. Um, for yeah, I don't need to tell you. You know what a big fan I oh, am of the whole universe there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's obviously, uh, you know, a labor of love with how much you put into it. It's just sort of an insane amount of, you know, versatility there as far as that's concerned yes and that's yeah obviously that's that was one of the goals so you asked like what's going on with it around the summer last summer uh right around VentureCon, uh which is the convention i i started just like an old school osr traditional rpg convention in my hometown of madison wisconsin uh right around then I finally released book three of the Chult trilogy, which is Chult's Chartreuse Shadows. And since then, I've just been kind of like writing that and then, you know, gaming and, and coming up with, you know, different scenarios and, and little bits and bobs that will hopefully eventually come out in book four uh, next year, I'm hoping. Uh, but the most recent thing is there is a webcomic that I finally decided. I found an artist who's willing to do it for a modest fee. And Which, by the way, I, I saw this. A perfect okay. match for the artist. But I, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. I'll let you keep going. No, but no yeah. Absolute perfect perfect art style to match to match with what you're doing. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. we. Uh, he and I, um, I think it's a I I think it's a guy, uh, and he lives in Spain. Um, Jay Tanaka got some great artwork, and uh, he's really into the OSR. And uh, yeah, we've just been kind of vibing and and talking on social media. And he, I asked him if he'd be interested, and he said yes. And so, yeah, we're we're putting together uh, in a couple of weeks. I think we'll have like the first page. And that's going to have like several panels 
on it. And that's going to tell the beginning of a little story set in the Chult multiverse. And uh, then we're just going to keep going. I think every month um, it's just going to be kind of like a new, like a continuation, sort of. I don't know. I really don't know how it's going to go because I've never, <laughs> I've never written anything like this. So it's kind of Chult an experiment comic, for me. Though. I mean, what what more yeah. do we want? <laughs> well, we want a TV series. And well, then, of uh, course. Yeah, I was I was uh, kidding in in the blog post announcing it that if Dan Harmon feels like he needs to go in a different direction with Rick and Morty because of the whole <laughs> Justin Roiland debacle. Uh, I'm ready. You know, I've got my, <laughs> my, my golden ticket in hand and I'm like, come on, like, <laughs> let's do this. Um, just do me a favor. If Warner brothers comes knocking, <laughs> say, <laughs> say no. <laughs> okay. That, yeah. If they, if they want to like, uh, yeah, I would love for it to be as popular where, you know, they want to steal it and then make it woke and ruin it. But, um, Oh, they would. They, they, they would find yeah, they a way totally to would. do it. So Yeah. They were um, like, we'll get that Venture Satanus yet. Well, <laughs> if nothing else, just for the, you know, the the woke cred, hey, you know, we took a deeply spiritual, dedicated guy and look what we're gonna do to his product. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh definitely uh we we I would love to see it and you know, who knows what the future may bring. But right now, yeah. We want folks to bring themselves to the Kickstarter for advanced game mastering, like a fucking yes. boss, and, yes. uh, and back the project. At the, at the end of that book, I'm going to – this idea just came to me while I was writing up the – I don't know, the backstory of the Kickstarter or whatever it's called, the, the story. The story. Uh, of like like what's going on with the, with the Kickstarter and like why you're doing it and such. Um, I just thought this idea, like, why don't I create a short Chult adventure specifically using game mastering techniques that I wanted to share with people, and then they could kind of see a glimpse of, I guess, how the sausage is made. Um, and I, th I just thought that would be fun, and that would be informative and entertaining, and then at the end, you'd also get, as a little bonus contact con um, contents, a little, I don't know, a, a Chult adventure that you could, like, use on your own. Or maybe it would be kind of a teaching tool where, like one of those early D&D &D modules where they kind of, like, give you the setup and... and you could pop it entree. in just about anywhere, right? And then yeah. apply and then, the then stuff the that you read to that particular campaign. Yeah. And yeah. And then you could like kind of go off in your own direction, like the rest of the way, like the dessert course would be all you based on everything that I set up. And I would kind of like hand it to you. And then you could see like what went into it. And then from there you could kind of take it and like make it your own. So I'm going to try that. That's also new. Uh, I love doing new things and experimenting and uh, that just keeps it fresh for me because I don't want to do the same old thing just because it's worked before. So that's why I'm going to do it again. I like doing new things. I like being surprised, surprising myself. 
And so this is kind of a way to do that and keep it fresh and keep it real, I hope. And um, yeah, I hope people like it and think it's fun and also learn stuff so they can, you know, improve their own gaming. I can't see people not liking it. Like I said, it's it's a conversation that I think all gamers, DMs or not, uh, have sort of in their own head. And we're fortunate that you expel all that wisdom from your head into into this book so it's it's definitely a good thing so we want everybody to check it out also check out chalt stuff everybody wins and that's that's the one thing i love about our little dark misguided corner of the hobby is that we really do try to our best to support everybody so well i want to thank you for stopping by any last words of wisdom for us before i let you go back to You've got a busy family schedule right now, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, check out the Kickstarter, and of course, one of the, the big uh, reward tiers is the Chult Trilogy. And looking at the price alone, you might think, whoo, that's a little bit high um, for you know three hardcover books. If you're imagining like maybe the D&D set, which you could probably get on Amazon now for... I don't know, 50 bucks for all three books. <laughs> right. Um, but these are super high quality. I mean, way higher than anything which of the coast does. Um, so they're, they're very high quality hardcover books. Uh, you know, they're thick paper, full color. They're really gorgeous. Um, you know, you get the fancy end papers and, they're they're signed and numbered. I was going to say they're still they're still numbered. So by you, yeah, yeah, still on first printings for all of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, there it's it's a collector's thing, but it's also nice to to have the books in hand that you can hold. And um, I, who knows if I'm ever going to do another printing? So maybe right. when they're gone, they're gone. I don't know. And they're really cool. I mean, I hear great things from the people that have acquired them over the years, um, how awesome they are and how fortunate they feel to, to, you know, to have them. Cause you know, sometimes they just take a chance. They're not that familiar with Chult or maybe they're not familiar with me or they're not sure if they want to plunk down whatever, 120, $130, $140 on a set of three role-playing game books, but they do, they take that chance. They take that leap of faith and then they're rewarded because, they are really good. Not only just they look good, but the content I think is, uh, speaks for itself. Very gameable. It's very dense because there's cool shit that you can use in your gaming, like on pretty much every page. Right. So yeah, they're worth it. So yeah, uh, if people are, are uh, pledging on the Kickstarter and supporting me that way, if they don't already have the, the trilogy, I hope they, they go for it. Uh, you get the PDFs for free and I'll, I'll personalize with a little tentacle drawing or something, um, on the inside cover. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again for, for swinging by, uh, yeah, don't be a stranger. No, any, anytime, you know, you have open invitation, just, uh, hit us up and we'll, we'll make it happen. Even if it's just, you know, if you want to torture yourself one week, come in and sit in on the <laughs> news with us for, for one week. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have to see about that. 
check out the Kickstarter. Check out Chalt. Uh, obviously, the the best bang for your buck. Uh, I'm just gonna say it. Or those those hardcover books on the Kickstarter. But if the digital's your thing, you know where to find those too. Uh, Adventure. Thanks for for swinging by. We always always appreciate you, and it's it's awesome to talk to you on the show. Thanks. Awesome to talk to you guys too. Well, I hope I didn't fangirl too much over Venger. <laughs> I was I was glad to have him on. I've been trying to get him on, and our schedules just haven't haven't lined up until now. So it was a- right. I mean, you were pretty excited about it, but I don't think you did. I don't think you drooled all over yourself or anything. No, no, no. I saved my drool for Sarah Michelle Keller. So. <laughs> I guess now's a good time to remind everybody to go to the Twitter machine and follow the NerdCognito Twitter account, at NerdCognito. Get all sorts of previews about stuff we're going to talk about, get reminders about the show, and, you know, you get some funny insight from the powers that be that run that Twitter account. Boy, have I corrupted those ladies or what? <laughs> you really have, you know, with your, your, with your antics, you really got them, you know, on board with so many of your, uh, so many of your little, uh, things, you well, know, your sparkle troll battles and everything else. They're all over the place. Hey, you, you, anything worth doing is worth doing. Right. Uh, <laughs> another thing, even corrupting our Twitter. Uh, there you go. Another thing that you can do, right. Is you can go to the podcast provider of your choice. You are listening to us on a podcast provider right now. Uh, make sure that you find the one that you like the best and hit that subscribe button. It, means a lot we've had a lot of new listeners to the show welcome aboard and we want you to encourage all of your geeky and nerdy counterparts to also listen so that they can get their weekly dose of nerdy goodness so the the surefire way is just make sure that you're subscribed that way you will not miss an episode if you're really ambitious go on and throw us a review. We, we appreciate those too. We've got Sparkle Troll reviews for you to read, which are hilarious. And you can also throw one of the correct reviews, which is a five-star review our way. And we humbly accept those as well. But uh, the most important thing is make sure you're subscribed. Boy, 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 what a week. I, I'm actually, it, it's bittersweet, right? It's been nonstop. Sure. But it's finally starting to slow down, and even today I was sitting there thinking, oh, eh, things are just kind of falling back to normal. I don't know what to do with this lack of crazy news and pacing and this stream and that show and this article and that press release. I, I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, I'm sure we can come up with a few things. Yeah, we'll come up with something, I'm you sure. You know, once the world stops burning, you have to sift through the ashes, right? So. Well, I do enjoy a good fiddle, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. Um, again, with all the craziness, it just proves, you know, this is great for my ego, but we've been right all along. Support the small creators that you love that are doing things for love and uh let the chips fall as they may and don't see that fucking movie my name is ryan david thank you for tuning in uh lots that is now behind us uh who knows what the future will bring but 
we will be right on top of it for you. Yeah. And we will, of course, talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!